Hey everybody, welcome again to F This Movie, the official podcast of FThisMovie.com. Movie love for movie lovers. My name is Patrick Bromley, and I'm super excited for this week's show because I am joined to talk about Pretty in Pink by chicken owner Robin Buckley. Hey, Robin. Oh, God, is that what I'm known as? No. It is now. My you entire, own chickens, you become chicken owner. My just chickens. <laughs> uh, hi. I haven't, I feel like I haven't been here for a little bit or what the, uh, when I came out to Chicago, the last time I went right anywhere that wasn't everything, my Yeah, like the week before yep. everything got locked down, you were out here and then you and got I back have... and... And that was it. I haven't left my house since. No. Uh, um, but how are you doing? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I can work. I'd been working remote since January, so this didn't really feel like much of a change. I've got my cool dog that hangs out with me all day, and nice. now I have chickens that I can just go and stare at when I feel like, you know, hanging out with them. I didn't know that chickens recognized people. Oh, yeah, no, they run up to me now. I still don't pet them because, I you know, like, beaks and talons freak me out. <laughs> but uh, I'm working up to it. I think I'll get them treats and stuff. But they, uh, yeah, they run right up. Um, I've posted a few times about their names. They're uh, Blanche, Sophia, uh, Dorothy, and Rose. So they're, they're our golden girls. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was really hoping you were going to go, like, Blanche, Sophia, Dorothy, and Ringo. <laughs> You know what? Rose might actually be a Ringo. <laughs> All right. She's crazy. <laughs> She's the odd one out. You could tell who's who? Oh, yeah. No, they look completely different. Okay. And they, they all have different personalities. I'm turning into a real... I am, I guess. That's my personality now. Chicken owner. Chicken owner. Robin <laughs> Buckley. Uh, Robin, have you seen anything good lately? Um, I've seen a few things. Not all of them good. But some of them good. Right. Um, so I watched on uh, Criterion Channel. There's a, like, it's not even a full hour documentary about the um, production of the original cast album for the musical Company. Do you know that mu musical? I, I think I only know it because of documentary now. And I don't, okay. even, I don't even think... <laughs> It was was it company that they were making fun of? There's a whole episode of documentary uh, now. I think that is a tribute to this documentary that you're that, talking that about. That actual documentary, yeah. it probably is because it's it's Sondheim and it's just like the entire um, movie is just them in the studio and like poor Elaine Stritch having like a mental breakdown as they make her sing the same song over. Yeah, and that over. has to be what this is then. What yeah. is what is the name of this documentary? Uh, it's just called Original Cast Album Company. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that's, like they did nothing. Chicken owner. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was, and it's it's very 70s. Everybody looks very 1970s, which is kind of refreshing because I always think about the fact that in the 1970s, people were like interesting looking. Yeah. So all of the cast members are just really interesting looking right. and not all of them can sing that well. Because I feel like Sondheim always wanted people who could act before he wanted people who could sing. But uh, Company is one of my favorite musicals. It's great. I would say listen to the musical before if you'd watch this. Because otherwise it's just going to be like, here's a bunch of people standing in a uh, 
like a like on a soundstage or doing in a, in a studio, a recording studio, um, and getting mad at each other. <laughs> um, and then from there, I transitioned. That was Criterion Channel. I transitioned over onto Disney Plus. There's a documentary called Howard. Um, oh, I saw that that existed, but I don't know anything about it. So. I felt like I kind of did. It's about um, it's about Howard Ashman, who is a playwright, and he worked with Alan Menken. So he um, he did the music for Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast, and then some of his songs are in Aladdin. And then he's also known for he directed and did like the book and lyrics for My One True Love, Little Shop of Horrors. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so it was kind of a good transition because it went from like studio album for company and it goes over and they did a lot more about just kind of his life, but there was a lot of scenes that were just like doing the music for the Disney shows and, or the Disney movies and then the musicals and things like that. And, um, and it was also about like that he was uh, he died of AIDS in like right after uh, Beauty and the Beast finished. So I think he died in like 1991. Um, and so it talked a lot about that and kind of the like his legacy within Disney. Um, I think he was the first. I think he was the. F- it was after he died they like he won the oscar for beating the beast and i think he was like the first person who had died from aids that won i might be wrong but i feel like that's what they said um and then it was interesting because he talks about all he wanted to do was be a lyricist and like that's all he found interesting was writing the lyrics and in contrast to that in the company documentary Steven Sondheim was like Ugh, I fell into being a lyricist hmm. and I hate it and all I wanted to do was be a composer but they made me write the lyrics for West Side Story and like Sondheim's known as one of the greatest <laughs> like all time and he's just like Ugh, I didn't want to do this and this <laughs> other guy's like all I wanted was this um, and then they they would show I, I mean obviously I've seen Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast and all those movies but they were doing kind of the they were showing the um like the demos that he would sing and they show the lyrics and i always forget just kind of how clever the lyrics are especially in some of the aladdin and like they talk about the mob song from beauty and the beast and i was like wow those songs are amazing and i i don't think of it right but they're so good (laughs) um and then so people should watch it it's it's uh it's just on disney plus it's like hour and a less than an hour and a half quick little documentary a lot of, uh, lot of documentaries about musicals yeah yes uh one with quite and then uh i was in a mood for those i guess yeah um and then from there i've seen it a million times and i've written about it but uh because i'd watched this i felt like i needed to rewatch little shop of horrors again <laughs> <laughs> and there's nothing i can add it's it's one of my favorite movies. It makes me incredibly happy. <laughs> um, like I don't have much beyond like what I've said in like articles yeah. and, that I've written and tweets that I've made a billion times. Uh, if you haven't seen it, people should watch it. I'm assuming you've seen it. I have seen it. Yeah. Okay. And I I also know it's not one that like everybody loves. It's it's a weird one. Uh, 
But for some reason, I mean, I can't say for some reason. It's Rick Moranis. Like, that's why I love him. <laughs> I love him. Um, he does seem born to play that part. He he is Seymour through and through. Yeah. Um, just, and like, I mean, I love, I love Frank Oz things in general, but I don't know, just the puppetry, everything, everything about that movie. Which, yeah. uh, do you prefer the theatrical ending or the original ending? Um, I like the hope in the theatrical ending. Me I know too. a lot of people like the original, but no. it's a real downer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like a little bit of hope at the end. Um, when I was a freshman in high school, my high school did Little Shop of Horrors, and I was Mushnik. Oh. Which was some weird casting, because <laughs> I was definitely built like Seymour, but I was Mushnik. And <laughs> we did, obviously, the, the stage ending, the original ending, and like never bothered to learn it, didn't bother to learn the song. So we just sort of like talked the lyrics. Like we just ran out of time to rehearse the show. It was one of the worst things ever put up on stage. Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, there were good people in it. My friend played Audrey, and she was great, but uh, it was it was not good. I was not good. We we did it in high school, and it was probably, like, one of the best productions I was in. I see what you did like, there. Yeah. <laughs> I was one of the, uh, I was one of, like, the, the urchin girls. Right. The little, like, doo-woppy girls. I don't know. I think they just put me in because I couldn't really sing or dance that great, so I just did behind some other people. <laughs> Oh, my high school production also, because she wanted to include a lot of people, uh, cast nine of those girls instead of three. We had six. Okay. So we didn't go quite as crazy. <laughs> so she would make us stand on either side of the stage. <laughs> um, but our, our Seymour and our Audrey and our Audrey too were all really great. Our Mushnik was not, but it's fine. I could have swapped in. <laughs> you would have been an improvement. I would have been too old, but also... Oh, no, no, the one... I think it was like it was funny because it was like all freshmen and sophomores and then the um Mushnik was like the only senior in it. Oh, okay. He's like taller than everyone else. Well the the guy they cast as Seymour in our show was bigger than me. He was twice the size of me. So <laughs> it was very strange to try and intimidate him uh when he was twice as big. But it was fun getting eaten by the plant. That was neat to crawl through the big puppet. Oh that's good. Yeah. Um, all right. So my last movie, um, very rarely do I just like dislike a movie, <laughs> really, really don't like a movie. Uh, but I watched, it was on prime. I think it was prime. I watched, um, radioactive and it's from, I think 2018 and it's with Rosamund, Rosamund Pike. Okay. I and don't think about, I know this movie at all. It's about um, it's about Marie Curie. I was guessing, yeah. And it's just a movie about her life, but it's not good. <laughs> um, it's 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 jumps around. It's just jointed. I mean, I spent like two hours just watching people cough themselves to death, which like maybe was this was not the best time. To watch yeah, that. really, yikes. Um. It's just like a bunch of people slowly getting radiation poisoning, but then they would intersperse it with like scenes of um, uh, like the bomb and scenes of other things that happened later from like what she did. 
but it was just nothing connected. It just, it just, I don't know. (laughs) It felt like a series of small vignettes and not an actual movie. And like, there'd be characters that would come in and I'd be like, I don't know who this person is. Um, There, none of it worked. Okay. And I feel really bad about that. Well, bad biopics are like a special kind of bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just no. <laughs> and like it was a good like it was uh, Rosamund Pike and Anya Taylor Joy and Sam Riley and there was like a couple other people that pop up and it was directed by um, oh it's I'm gonna pronounce her name wrong Mar. Mar Marjane or Marine S- Oh, Satrapi? Sa- yeah. From Persepolis? And, yeah. Okay. Which is why I was hoping I'd like it more. Yeah. Um but it was just yeah, it was not a good not a good one. <laughs> I like <laughs> Rosamund Pike, but I'm starting to come to the realization that I only want to see her play her character from Gone Girl. So <laughs> if they could just swap in Marie Curie with Amy from Gone Girl. That'd be a different, very different Better movie. Better movie, maybe? Uh, maybe. <laughs> we could watch Ben Affleck die of radiation poisoning. <laughs> well, instead you see Sam Riley get run over by horses in, like, the most dramatic carriage accident <laughs> oh, ever put to film. It's just him. He spends most of the movie coughing, and you're like, well, that guy's going to die from radiation poisoning. But nope. What he, a coughs twist. Himself, <laughs> he coughs himself into the streets where he is run over by horses. And I was like, and it goes slow motion. And I was just like, what is happening? Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't know. Maybe my brain just couldn't understand it, but none no, of it made sense to me. probably not it. <laughs> <laughs> it might just not be good. It was just didn't work yeah. for me right. uh that's that's all i have for what i've seen recently i don't i feel like i've watched a lot of just like documentary tv that's about it all right well you should definitely seek out i think if you like download the ifc app you can get all of documentary now and you should watch that episode about i will the original cast album documentary it's pretty funny <laughs> i think john mulaney wrote the whole thing and he's a big uh, musical theater nerd so that's why he does a musical every single time he hosts it. That's now. right. And it's always worth it. It is. <laughs> Buying the sushi at the airport <laughs> was a highlight. Um, so I watched uh, a couple of new movies, which is nice that we still have some new movies coming out to choose from. I watched Amy Simons's movie, She Dies Tomorrow, uh, which stars Caitlin Scheel as a woman who suddenly becomes convinced she's going to die tomorrow. And then everyone she comes in contact with also becomes convinced they are going to die tomorrow. And it continues to spread outward, making it a perfect movie for our current uh, pandemic. Um, It's very obtuse and I can't say that I loved it. I know Erica has read me a little bit of the reactions on Twitter And uh, it sounds like people are really loving it. I can't say that I did. I found it very interesting. I think it's well made. But I couldn't really wrap my arms around it all the way. Um, But it is certainly, you know, very topical. Is it... Is it... 
like a scary movie? Not exactly. Okay. Um, and I, Amazon listed it as horror and as comedy, and I would say it's neither. <laughs> but but uh, I guess they just needed to attach some genres to it. I don't. I mean, I guess I would classify it as a drama. There's certainly some dark humor in it. Um, mm -hmm. Like the the lead girl wants to be turned into a leather jacket after she dies. Like there's definitely some weird humor in it. That's uh, different. Yeah, right. Exactly. But I don't know that I would call it like laugh out loud funny. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not quite horror either, although it is obviously filled with dread. Okay. Um, I saw some reactions. I haven't seen it, but I saw some reactions on Twitter that it did seem like people really liked it. But then there were a few that were just like, what was that? Yeah. So yeah, and it's you sound more like the what was that? A little bit, yeah, and and I don't want to be dismissive of it. You know, maybe I need mm -hmm. to think about it longer. Maybe I need to see it again. Um, it didn't capture my heart on first viewing, but that's not a bad movie. That's just a case of a disconnect between the audience and the film. Um, but speaking of horror, I did watch Host on Shutter. Have you checked that out yet? No, I think I'm going to find it too scary. <laughs> it is scary. It's I appreciate so it's a uh, those of you who haven't seen it yet, um it's like 60 minutes. It's all done over Zoom. It's about characters living through the current pandemic. Uh so it was made, you know, during these crazy times. Um and then weird shit starts to happen and I didn't love it because I don't love found footage. I don't love movies that rely very heavily on kind of uh, jump scares. Um, but I appreciate its ingenuity in taking, you know, making lemonade from lemons and saying, okay, we have this going on. It's very hard to make a movie. How can we make a movie? And how can we make a horror movie? And how can we try as hard as we can to make it scary? And they really commit to trying to make it scary, which I appreciate because not all horror movies do that. And mm -hmm. this one really, really does. So for 60 minutes, even though I didn't love it, I think it's worth a look. All right. Is it, is it more, f is it fun? Yeah, I think so. Okay. All right, then then I might be into that. Yeah. Jump scares, like, I know you don't love jump scares, but jump scares get me. <laughs> like, yeah, there's some the good ones. Those are the things that actually really freak yeah. me out. And it's not all jump scares. There are some other just weird, unsettling images. It's not gory or anything like that. Um, okay. Yeah, it's fun in that it really is trying to be scary, you know? Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll watch it. All right, good. Uh, like I said, it's only, it's I think, under 60 minutes, so... I can definitely handle that. It's That's about the length the of a Sondheim <laughs> documentary. We were both on the way to make the same joke. Um, I watched the new Chris Ray movie, formerly Chris Swanberg. Uh, I used to go here, which Rob reviewed on our site, starring Gillian Jacobs as an author who goes back to her alma mater to do a book reading. And then she kind of hangs out there for a couple days and gets into all kinds of mischief with the undergrads um and it's good it's very pleasant it's well observed rob's review says it better than anything i'm gonna say right here but uh 
I'm a, a big fan of Gillian Jacobs, and even though I feel weird calling her Gillian, but apparently that's how you say it. I always want to say Jillian, but... That's how I say it in my head every time. It's Gillian, so I have to force myself to say Gillian. Um, but she's kind of great in everything she does, and she's that's very true. good in this. Jemaine Clement plays uh, a professor at the school. That, oh, I love him. Yeah, so it's 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 super worthwhile. Um... And what's that on? We rented that on Amazon Prime. Okay. Because that just came out Friday. So uh, my guess is it'll be streaming in a matter of weeks. If you don't feel like paying the six bucks, uh, it'll probably be on Netflix or Prime, you know, within a month or two. Okay. Um, two more. I weirdly masochistically watched... Because Blank Check has been doing a series on the films of Nora Ephron, and I saw, I haven't listened to the episode yet, but I saw that Alex Ross Perry is the guest on a three-hour episode devoted to Lucky Numbers from oh, 2000, <laughs> Nora Ephron's I, probably biggest bomb, I think, because I think even, like, Bewitched performed better at the box office. Uh, and Lucky Numbers is streaming on Prime, so I was like, heck yeah, I'll watch Lucky Numbers, uh, and it is not great. Like, it's not... She didn't write it, and I think <laughs> that's part of the problem, you know, because her voice is missing, and I don't know how well-suited she is to the kind of dark comedy that Lucky Numbers is trying to do. Everybody's in a slightly different movie, like... I like John Travolta and he means well, but he's in a different movie than Lisa Kudrow, who's in the correct movie. Okay. Um, the cast is great. Bill Pullman shows up, so I was very happy about that. And he's really funny as kind of an inept police officer. Uh, Lisa Kudrow is great, but it's like Lucky Numbers walked so that the ice harvest could run. Uh, <laughs> it's... It's trying to do something similar, and I, I don't think uh, it's not a movie that works. I'm looking up like the poster, and I swear I've seen this movie, but I remember nothing about it. It's 20 years old now, which is <laughs> insane. Uh, and I think it was one of those that came out and died almost immediately. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and then finally... Because I was at a red box and because I love my children, <laughs> I rented Scoob, uh, no. which came out earlier in the pandemic. And Adam Thaws reviewed it for our site. And his review saved me from renting it when it first came out. Because it was one of those like Amazon premiere titles where you could pay $20 for a movie that, and you thought you were getting a deal. Because it's like, well, this was going to be in theaters this week. And instead, we can rent it at home for only $20. Uh, but I didn't because his review made it sound so bad. And I'm so I grateful. his review. Yes. His review was spot on. I'm so grateful because Scoob is poob. It is <laughs> so not good. I felt so bad, like, being irritated by it in front of my kids uh, because they were enjoying it because they like, did they like it? Yeah. They kind of like everything. And I was trying to argue it with them. Not, I mean, argue, but I was like, yeah, but don't you think like it should be a mystery? And they're like, no, this is fine. We like this. 
Um, because my daughter for a little while was watching Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated on Netflix, which is terrific and the best Scooby-Doo thing I've seen at all, uh, minus Scooby-Doo meets Kiss, which is my favorite of the Scooby-Doo properties. But, um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not like necessarily a big Scooby-Doo guy, but I've absorbed a lot of it because my kids have been into it and they both liked Scoob. I thought it was garbage. I'm glad I didn't see that one then. No. I mean, I read I read the article and was like, no, thank you. Yeah. And, and he's exactly right. I mean, it's not a mystery at all. It's this weird superhero adventure where Warner Brothers was like, well, we own all these Hanna-Barbera properties. How can we pull them into this movie and have like a shared universe? Yeah, but nobody cares about any of the other right. <laughs> Hanna-Barbera. Right. And that's, I mean, maybe not true, but... I don't think about them. And I remember seeing the trailer and the trailer focuses on like the first 10 minutes where they're kids and you think, oh, this is going to be like a Scooby-Doo origin story. And I'd be down for that over what they ended up doing. I just mm -hmm. think it's so misguided in terms of being a, a Scooby-Doo movie. But oh, well. Yeah, that's uh, a bummer. On to Pretty in Pink. From 1986, written and produced by John Hughes, directed by Howard Deutsch in his uh, cinematic debut. Um, supposedly, this was a film that John Hughes wrote at the whim of his muse, Molly Ringwald, who, whose favorite song at the time was Pretty in Pink by the Psychedelic Furs. She said, can you write a song or can you write a movie for this song? And that was the genesis of the film. I, oh. yeah. Again, <laughs> this is like, you know, IMDb trivia or <laughs> Wikipedia or like, I don't have this information firsthand. So that could all be bullshit because <laughs> I, IMDb trivia also has all these like alternate castings for Andy, um, Diane Lane and Jennifer Beals. And uh, I don't remember who else, but there's all these other people that, you know, we're maybe going to play Andy. And I'm like, no, it exists because of Molly Ringwald. Like, John Hughes wrote it for Molly Ringwald. I don't think anybody else was ever going to play Andy. So I don't know how much stock to put in the in, in the IMDb trivia. Um, you are younger than me. Did you grow up with this movie at all? I, I didn't. Okay. I didn't see this movie until high school. Um... I grew up with uh, Breakfast Club and 16 Candles for my Molly Ringwald movies. And I think I had to like search out Pretty in Pink, but it wasn't one that my friends and I ever talked or cared about. I didn't grow up being like, uh, what is it, Blaine versus uh, Ducky, Ducky or no. anything like that. It was always like, oh, that's that other movie that Molly Ringwald is in <laughs> uh, that's like, I think in my head it was always just a John Hughes movie. I, like, I think... Growing up, I just assumed it was written and produced and directed by him and everything. I never thought it was anybody else. Um, so rewatching it, this was the like maybe third time I've seen it in my life. Um, and uh, I don't think I like it. <laughs> All right. Elaborate. <laughs> um, I, I didn't like a single character. <laughs> They do make wait. it difficult. 
I Annie, liked one. I liked Annie Potts. Iona. I like yeah, Annie Potts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Annie Potts and nobody else. I like Harry Dean Stanton a little. Yeah, but like at the same time, I want to be like, you're the father. You need to like be a dad and not like have your kid have to run your life and I need you to get your shit together. Um, I mean, I liked him because it's Harry Dean Stanton, so yeah. I liked that, but but I don't know how much I liked his actual character. Um, and I have to admit, I love Spader. Yes. Which is, but, he's not a like, likable he's, character. He's the no. devil, but he's so good at being the devil. Yes. And he's maybe like, never looked better in a movie. He's real cute. Yeah. Um, and then I like hated myself because I was like, ugh, <laughs> you love such a stuff. jerk. <laughs> I was like, ugh. Um, I, I wanted to punch Benny the whole time. But like Mean Girl, I don't know. I I feel like this should work for me because I really like kind of slice of life teenage movies that don't totally have much of a point to them. But for some reason, this one just didn't, it didn't work for me. Like, I never felt like I really understood, um, like, any of... Um, any of Andy's like motivations or her, I didn't know if I really understood, like got that she had much of a personality. I didn't understand why everybody was in love with her beyond that. She's pretty like, she yeah. likes music. But does she? She can, she so... <laughs> can she? <laughs> <laughs> you saw that she dress at the end. She, she does miracles with that dress. <laughs> What are you talking about? It's a sack. The whole movie is perfectly lovely dress, and she ruined it. She's pretty in sack, (laughs) (laughs) which is the movie that John Hughes wrote. Um, Yeah, it's it's weird because, like, I will admit, I like this movie, and a lot of it has to do with nostalgia. Um, I like the sincerity of it. And I think it's one of the better John Hughes movies, even though it's not, I know it's not a John Hughes movie, but like we lump it in with the John Hughes movies because he didn't direct it um, because he has a tendency to go very broad with his comedy. Um, He has trouble managing tone sometimes like, I'm not a weird science guy. I'm not really even a 16 Candles guy. Breakfast Club is my favorite. Yeah. Um, 16 Candles, when it's good, it's good. But when it tries to do any sort of humor or anything, it just goes bad. Which is a problem because it is a comedy. That's true. <laughs> so, is this movie a comedy? No. Because I didn't This is a laugh. romantic drama. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. I would call this a romantic drama. And uh, I appreciate that it's sincere, and I like that John Hughes, you know, he does it very, very well, where he's like, I'm going to look at teenagers at a time when, you know, the 1980s was like Porky's and just one of the guys and like movies about teenagers wanting to have sex. And John Hughes was like, no, they have problems and they have thoughts and feelings, and I want to take those things seriously. And I think he tries to do that with a lot of Pretty in Pink. I will agree with you that the characters tend to be somewhat unlikable. Like I get, I get 
the thing with Molly Ringwald where she thinks Blaine is cute, she is charmed by him, and then she's a little bit angry at herself for falling for him because she's like, I, I, I can't stand what he represents. Yeah, she has that chat with her dad. Yeah. Where she's like, yeah, but he's a Richie. And her dad's like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> right. That's a term you made up. <laughs> um, and so I can appreciate the sort of internal struggle that she's going through. I think the movie is very quick, though, to like turn theirs into a love for the ages after like one date. Yeah, I, and it's a bad date. Like it is a bad date. It's a terrible date. <laughs> I was like, you guys just find each other attractive, which is fine. They're both very pretty people. Um, but you never, you don't really see them talk beyond being like, ugh, all of our friends suck. Yeah. I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't know what connection. they connect on. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's a problem, you know, because the movie kind of hinges on, well, this connection that we have transcends our differences and it is unfortunate that like john hughes and this has been pointed out in plenty of think pieces that have come out in the last 10 years john hughes has been think pieced to death um one of the prevailing themes in his movies is class and class differences and that he maybe doesn't have the highest opinion on the lower middle class um mm -hmm. And this movie tries to maybe subvert some of that by making its protagonist lower middle class. Um, but it does seem to kind of say like, well, they can't make it work because rich people and poor people don't belong together. Yeah. I, I'd also say that like, he doesn't, I know, I guess he's trying to do show like a lower middle class, but beyond like Steph, being like, ugh, she's poor and gross, and why would you bring her to my party? <laughs> like, I never really got that she was a lower middle class. Like, no, she, she literally doesn't get along. lives on the wrong side of the tracks. And, like, she has the freak out about him, like, bringing her home, and he doesn't really seem to care. Like, no, brings not her at home all. and does not care. Yeah. So it's kind of all something that she's making in, up in her head. I mean, granted, he later on kind of backs away from her when his friends are like, uh, you can't like her. Yeah. But that seems less about the rich and poor thing and more about him not being able to stand up to his current friends. And which I, I think, think is I think is I, honest for yeah. a seventeen year old, you know. Yeah. And I kinda wish that the movie had made something of him calling her out and saying, like, you're the one who seems to have a problem with this because I'm okay. Yeah. Um and it doesn't really, you know, so the original, and you know, the ending was reshot. Yep. Okay. So the original ending for the film has Blaine uh, blowing her off and kind of disappearing. Mm -hmm. And I think that that too is a form of honesty that we don't often see in a movie like this, um, that, that young people can act this way. Young men in particular can be kind of cowardly when it comes to confronting certain problems. And they just choose to disappear. He caves to peer pressure and, and disappears from her life. And that's the last we see of him. And, and I think that that could be interesting. My problem is, and here's where we really have to get into it, in the original ending, she then winds up with Ducky. 
hate it. It's so wrong. Um, it's, I hate that. <laughs> it's wrong, and it's not not because you know Molly Ringwald in the years since has come out and said that she really believes that Ducky is gay, and they shouldn't have ended up together because he's gay. Now I don't mm-hmm. get that reading on the movie. No. Um, I don't read him as a gay character. Maybe a lot of people do. I don't think it matters. Her ending up with Ducky isn't wrong because he's gay. Her ending up with Ducky is wrong because he's Ducky. It's wrong because she clearly... She barely tolerates him. Like, they're supposed to be best friends, and she mostly just seems like she's barely putting up with him. Well, and he's like... The... The poster boy, the urtext of, like, incel friend zone guy. Yep. <laughs> he is. Like, when he's telling her dad, like, I'm going to marry her. Yeah. The dad's like, uh, okay, buddy. I want to be like, she, when the movie starts and he, like, shows up, I think, like, at her locker or something, I was like, she doesn't even recognize who this guy is. She just looked over and was like, who's this dude standing by? <laughs> Why is he wearing that hat? And they have the scene where she's finally, like, she says, she basically, like, says, you know, oh, you know how much, like, I care about you and everything. And to me, that was so much of, like, what was it? It was tell instead of showing because I was like, I don't think she likes this kid at all. Like, she's, she seems like she just, like, gives him a ride to school because she feels bad. I mean, he sits outside of, like, a club that he can't get into for hours. It's weird (laughs) yeah but the doorman is dice so he gets to spend the night talking to dice that's true i was like well that's the friendship i want to (laughs) see right i would watch a whole movie of their scenes just talking because they're actually pretty funny they are um when and and honestly like i like ducky's scenes uh, when he's not with um andy like the i I actually kind of liked the one where he tries to beat up steph yeah like i didn't mind that scene and then he just rips down the poster yeah um, I like but... his ad lib when he gets thrown into the bathroom and he says, we don't have a candy machine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't like the, the, when he's lip syncing scene though. No. And, and I why feel like is that, goes, that? But it goes on too long. So long and it's never good. And we're just like held hostage by it. And it doesn't help that she's staring at him with disdain. <laughs> like she's not amused. She's just staring at him like, I hate this man so much. <laughs> I think they didn't get along in the filming. Um, oh, that, it, it comes through. <laughs> <laughs> so their lack of a believable friendship, uh, yeah, really hurts like the chemistry between them because you're right. It seems like she's kind of tolerating him. Yeah. And he's constantly... Uh, sort of inappropriately hitting on her. And again, what's acceptable in 1986 is different from what's acceptable in 2020. Now we recognize that behavior as these are incredibly unwelcome advances. She had, she has shut him down. He needs to stop. Right. But in 1986, it's funny that he keeps trying. Ha ha. Cause he's persistent. Um, and I know, you know, in John Hughes's mind, that's charming, but it's not, it's gross. And it's, and, and, and she kind of seems like she can't stand him. Yeah. I I will also say that I do like when he's just like, he's such a douche to Blaine. And Blaine's just like, he, he seems to just kind of like, I don't even know who this 
<laughs> like, okay, well, um, n- nice to meet you. <laughs> like, yeah, like why is this kid the worst? Until the scene where Blaine, like, really fucks it all up and blows her off, like tries to say you already had a prom date. Yeah, right. Um, and, and he didn't get her messages and and all that. You know, then he becomes a real flake. But like up until that point, I think. Blaine is somebody worth rooting for. I think he handles Ducky pretty well when he's behaving yeah. wildly inappropriately in the club. Um, he realizes very quickly he should not have brought her to his like friend's party. Right. Because his friends. And I like how he's just like, oh, well, clearly my friends are the worst. And I didn't look at it through other people's eyes before. Right. Right. Except like, for Steph. Oh. That guy's awesome. <laughs> Steph should have been the lead of this movie. Very different oh, movie. It would be a very different movie. Although, like, he even outright says, like, Steph tried to get yeah. Andy, too, right? Yeah, and it's yeah. like, she turned him down. Um, Better movie. Steph ends up with Andy. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know if we want to have reward They turn Steph. it all. Oh, yeah, we do. They turn <laughs> it all around at the prom. She sees something in Steph that she's never noticed. He doesn't change at all. <laughs> just continues to be he just smokes <laughs> and judges <laughs> yeah right suddenly she's like i don't know there's something about that stuff he's just cute <laughs> he is well was it like he's he's with benny and like he doesn't even seem to like his own girlfriend no not at all well, who could like benny that's true she's, she's... also kind of terrible and just barely a person. Again, like, you know, unfortunately, John Hughes has a tendency to write in broad strokes, especially when he doesn't like somebody. Mm-hmm. And so rather than humanize any of the rich people, with the exception of Blaine, um, they're all just vapid, shallow villains, you know? Yeah. She has, this was another thing, it was kind of one of those, like, she has a friend that's the friend that that tells off Benny and like gets kicked out of the gym class yes, and then just disappears for the rest of the movie. And that was when I was kind of like, it was another thing that annoyed me a little bit because I was like, this lady is in like two scenes. And then you decided, actually we have the Andy Potts character. So we don't need this girl. Who's her friend in school. She doesn't need right. Another confidence. So unfortunately, um, and I don't think this is why she disappears from the movie. Oh, did she, she was murdered before the I movie came I out. Just, I did not know that. Yeah, Alexa Kennan is her name, and the movie is dedicated to her. Um, okay. I, do, I don't believe that's why. I think the movie was done shooting, you know, and then they okay. dedicated it to her because she was murdered. But that actress was sadly, tragically uh, killed. Well, that's terrible, and yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. I, I was going to say, like, I liked her character and was kind of like, why isn't the, like, kind of tough cool girl still hanging out but that would make sense um the the reshot ending i want to talk about because i can't ever get past i don't think her ending up with blaine is the right ending because i don't think he's done enough to earn her forgiveness I think it's realistic. Loves her. Well, it's right. Like, they've gone on one date. I, that's the thing. Is like, again, we're being sold that there's is this love that's worth fighting for, and we just oh, we, they don't last past the summer. We don't see it. Like it's it's missing a lot of relationship building on screen. 
Um, but the real problem with the reshoot, do you know what it is? What? It's Andrew McCarthy's reshoot wig. Oh, that hair's ter- I thought the hair would look terrible. <laughs> he had lost a bunch of weight and shaved his head because he was in a play. And then they called him back to reshoot the ending because apparently her ending up with Ducky tested so poorly. The audience knew. They did. Uh, they rejected it like a bad kidney. And so they reshot this ending where she ends up with Blaine. But unfortunately, they have to put this weird toupee on him. And he just he looks sick. He looks like something is wrong with Blaine and we need to get him to a doctor. I think I just thought, like, uh, he styled his hair weird for the prom, but it's the 80s, I guess. <laughs> no, that is a wig, baby. And Andrew McCarthy already has a tendency to bug his eyes a little bit when he's talking. And when his face is more gaunt, his eyes are even more pronounced when he bugs them out. And so when he says, I love you to her, it seems more like a threat. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't the way the intensity with which he's bugging his eyes and staring at her. And then he says, I love you. I worry for her safety in that moment. <laughs> I think I more, more just was like, no, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. You, you don't even know her. But they play that orchestral maneuvers in the dark song for the whole ending. And I'm, I'm there for it. Cause I love that song. And, uh, it win- it ends up winning me over because I think the song does most of the heavy lifting. So what do you want the ending to be? I think her and Ducky should walk into the prom together, but not, mm-hmm. you know, as friends and as just friends. say, like, listen, we're going to face these people um, who write us off, who count us out, and we're going to sort of be defiant and go have a good time at the prom. And I think... It could end like that. Can... I don't think Andy needs to end up with anyone, which I recognize is probably unsatisfying for a romantic drama. <laughs> so perhaps. But it's it's her growing as a person. And right. you know, maybe she's finding herself. And I don't know. Maybe I wanted the whole thing is about how she loves fashion and sewing. And she makes her own dress. And it's like, maybe she discovers that. And that's her passion. And she's like, you know what? I'm going off to school. Bye, guys. Like, I don't need to be here. Right. I don't know. Or she just goes and hangs out with Annie Potts. <laughs> Which would <laughs> also be fine. Club. Yes. Like, like, maybe maybe it ends with, like, they went to the prom for a little bit. And then her and Ducky and Annie Potts are hanging out at that club instead. That would that be fine. way more fun. Right. Like, Was your high school insanely sharply divided by class like this? Because mine wasn't. No, because everybody in my town was lower to regular middle class. <laughs> yeah, I guess mine too. And maybe that's why. I mean, the rich people had a two-story house, you know. <laughs> it's like, oh, you have an upstairs? <laughs> well then, you're like, a regular well, Steph. Like most people in my town had split levels. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Like it was, I mean, there was groups like that hung out together, but it was just because that was like, you happen to have classes with, or you played a sport and those were the people on the team with you, or you did drama and those were people in drama club with you. But like all of the, also all of the poor people were like weirdly into the, they seemed like kind of the more of the new wave or like the punk scene. In this movie. Yeah, in that movie. Okay, yeah. not in your high school. <laughs> not in my life. <laughs> um, but, which I thought was 
different. Like it was like rich people are all preppy and cannot like any of this music. And, and all the poor people only like this music. But then he goes to the club and it's just like pretty tame 80s kind of new wave that was playing yeah. at the club. And, I, and he was like, whoa, this place is crazy. And I was like, sir, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like an, <laughs> Too much for white bread Blaine. <laughs> I mean, probably a lot is too much for Blaine. Oh, yeah, for sure. Mayonnaise is too spicy for Blaine. <laughs> what? <laughs> the name of an appliance <laughs> um, also an ad lib apparently i like that line yeah um why why would andy never just bring ducky into that club with her like because she's a bad friend she doesn't <laughs> want him around like what more clear signal could she possibly be sending like you literally wait out here with dice for hours <laughs> i'm going inside and having fun like, Annie Potts brought him in right away. Yes! Like, That's why she's the only good character. I got a little weirded out for a second that they were, like, on the rewatch, I was like, wait, Ducky and, and Annie Potts don't end up together, right? Because they have the weird kiss, and then she's like, I'm old enough to be his mother. And I was like, yeah, so maybe don't. Still a better movie. He brings <laughs> Annie Potts to the prom, and he ends up with Steph. I, we got this figured <laughs> out. I'm still not sure about her. No, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm right about this. I mean, it's a very attractive couple. But... Yes, exactly. And isn't that what matters? How they look together. Uh... Steph yanks off Blaine's wig. <laughs> lights it on fire with a cigarette. <laughs> um, I'd watch that, yeah. Yes, I'm uh... telling you, better movie. Um, what do you think about the... Uh... It's like the most John Hughes moment in the movie, and I don't mean that in a nice way, uh, when Ducky meets Duckette and breaks the fourth Christy wall. Swanson. Yes. And, and looks into the camera. Looks, oh, I hated it. Right? Like, in your last two minutes of your movie, you're going to pull that shit? Like we, he's, I'm like, has he been known we were here the whole time? He looked over, and I was like, don't look at me. <laughs> I don't like that. And again, if John Hughes uh, was directing the movie, it would be full of that stuff. And the fact that it isn't... And we've had, like, a pretty realistic look at teenage life. Howard Deutsch seems to be, you know, tr aiming for realism uh, to then all of a sudden just have him break the fourth wall and look at the audience, I just think is such a miscalculation. Yeah, no, it it didn't work. And I don't, again, and maybe if it was a character I liked more, although, so I guess, like, if Annie Potts had looked at the camera, I'd be like, oh, hey, Annie Potts. But... <laughs> But Ducky looking at the camera, I'm just like, ugh, this just feels, it felt smarmy. Yeah, and again, I, I like John Cryer. I think he means well. Um, I just think he has a really annoying character that somehow built a kind of cult around it. And oh, people love him. People love Ducky as, like, the lovelorn best friend. Now, better version of this movie, in terms of the romance angle, have you ever seen Some Kind of Wonderful? Uh, yes. Is that the... Am I thinking of the right one? Eric that... Stoltz, Leah Thompson, Mary Stuart Masterson. Yes. So John Hughes was so incensed with having to reshoot the ending of Pretty in Pink that he wrote some kind of wonderful, which is Pretty in Pink, exactly, <laughs> uh, gender-swapped, and at the end, 
Eric Stoltz ends up with Mary Stuart Masterson, who is the ducky. And in that movie, it kind of makes sense. Like in that movie, I buy it. Uh, mm -hmm. In this movie, I would not have bought it. Because I I remember it's been a while, but if I remember some kind of wonderful, you believe their friendship. Um, yeah, for sure. They don't seem to hate each other. <laughs> this one, <laughs> it's like, if yeah, if you want me, if you want me to believe that Auntie and Ducky are supposed to end up together, they need to have a believable friendship that they've been friends for years and years. But Andy has just like always seen him as the friend, right? Not that she seems like a weird guy that she's just like putting up with so he doesn't murder her right and right <laughs> his his hurt in the scene where she tells him like i'm going out with blaine um i think he plays like it very well on him. right right well that's but right he's throwing this tantrum that he has no right to throw mm -hmm. so it's like a well-acted scene that i completely disagree with the motivation behind because like <sighs> He has to know. He's never outright told her that he has feelings for her at this point, right? And like, you kind of know, and you know that she knows, but he's never said anything. And even if he did, like, she doesn't know him anything, you know? That's that's true. But it's like, you, he can't even be like, oh, that's true. He can't say, like, you know, I'm in love with you. You can't go on dates with other people. It would only be if they were a couple would he be able to be like, right. please don't go on dates right. with Then it's people. weird. But instead, he tells dice that he's in love with her he tells any pots he tells her father which again it's very odd <laughs> he just keeps hoping it'll work its way back to her like like if her dad will just be like hey you know that ducky guy that's around sometimes you should <laughs> give him a shot uh but better... she has to know oh sorry go ahead go ahead i was gonna say the scene where he's singing in like her bedroom and she can hear it through the vent like she has to know at that point that like he's got something for her because he's talking to himself and then singing about love and he, everything he says to her is some sort of like, I'm in love with you. He says it like half jokingly, mm -hmm. but everything he says to her is some version of, I want to be your boyfriend. So yeah. And I she think always she knows. just kind of shrugs. <laughs> yeah. Um, better movie, Annie Potts goes to prom with Dice. Are they chaperones or are they just going? No, they're just going as a, as a couple. They're just going. They, <laughs> okay. win, they win prom king and queen. And okay. Then Andy ends up with Steph. <laughs> Maybe Andy pauses at something like, "Hey, you really ruined my dress." Um, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Like, oh, I I didn't tell you to do that to my dress. <laughs> you turned it into a sack. Instead, she ends up with a yuppie. Yeah. Andy pauses. Right. And I don't I don't get that. And she has to and change she... for him, like Sandy at the end of Greece. And she's like, "Oh, I mean, she just goes full eighties, but like." big shoulder pad 80s instead of she looks like blaine at the end oh i hate she's wearing the blaine wig <laughs> <laughs> um yeah now i now i kind of wish he had ended up with dice <laughs> see better movie better movie better Still don't know about her about auntie and steph ending up no by but... the time you wake up tomorrow you're gonna be sold on this <laughs> <laughs> um well and we kind of said this a little bit, but like, obviously Andy and Blaine aren't lasting, right? They're not, this is not for the long haul. I don't think so. And I don't like to think that way. Like a lot of times when I watch movies um, and couples end up together, I like to just believe that they're going to stay together forever because that's, that's how I leave them. That's how I want them to exist in my mind. But 
Um, there's nothing about their relationship that suggests that they will stay together. Because again, it's not built on anything. No, it's built on we're both find each other attractive. Right. Is it supposed to be like a Romeo and Juliet kind of thing where they're, but they're not feuding and there's no, but they're not star crossed. No, it's just, he's rich and she's not. Yeah. And he doesn't seem to care, but she cares. Right. But then he does care. And then, well, yeah, he cares because Steph said something. Right. See, (laughs) Steph is really (laughs) controlling everything here. He's... Yes. Steph does want her for himself. I will give that. This is why they should end up together. I don't know if they... <laughs> I think it's, it's more that he wants her and she does not like him. She just... She's going to come around, I think, is what's going to happen. But he's not going to improve at all. He's going to be a terrible No, no, no. He can't friend. change at all. Steph has to stay <laughs> Steph no matter what. Maybe she's just like, actually, a rich guy would be nice, but Blaine's real you know, kind of mopey and annoying. So yeah, real wishy-washy. It's Very got the, wishy-washy. He's got that weird haircut now. I don't, I don't know what I ever saw in him. Whereas Steph's, Steph's hair is feathered and glorious. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, James Spader, you were, you were a cute guy in the 80s, weren't you? He sure was. I think my introduction to him was like the Stargate movie, and I loved him. Nice. I like but, him in Stargate. But this is a very different James Spader. Yes, yes, it is. Um, what do you think, and maybe this is a trickier minefield than I care to navigate, but what do you make of the John Hughes-Molly Ringwald relationship? Um. In terms of her being his muse and him eventually kind of turning on her and cutting her out of his life and uh almost like a spurned lover um there's something real weird about it i how old were they when they started working like when she was his muse was she i think she turned 18 like as this movie was coming out Oh, yeah. Okay, I, I don't know. Uh. <laughs> I don't mean to put I, you I on the spot. I'm weird just when older men have like younger women as their muses. Yeah. Um, and like the cutting her out, but I don't know anything that like. Do we know why he cut her out? It's just kind of. I know I've heard before. Um... She wanted to, she didn't want to make this movie that he wanted to make, or she wanted to make the pickup artist with somebody else or something kind of like, my memory is that it, it dealt with him feeling somewhat possessive of her. And she's, I think, written about it before she's written about their complicated relationship and he never... I'm not accusing him of anything. He never crossed a line, as far as I know, um, with her. So I'm not suggesting that he did anything inappropriate. I just think it's weird, I guess, is all I'll say. <laughs> yeah, no, I I get that. 
I I don't think I realized that he'd like cut her out. Yeah. I think I realized that like all of a sudden she wasn't like there's a whole bunch of movies with her in the eighties and then and she's just kind of she's in stuff still, but like what after is she in anything really big after the nineteen eighties? Um no, not really. Yeah, like you said, she still is in stuff, but I can't think of any. Uh, the Stand, I guess, in like the I was 90s. Say, I was just, yeah, it was. That's the last thing I can think of. Like, and then she pops up in like TV shows and right. cameos and things right. like that. Right. Um, she like moved to France and started a life there. I think. Oh well, I mean that sounds pretty nice too. <laughs> yeah. Right. Doesn't seem terrible. Not a very Andy move. <laughs> Little bourgeois for Andy. So I was just looking her up. So apparently she was offered the uh, one of the roles in Some Kind of Wonderful and turned it down. Yeah, that IMDb says that caused the rift. I don't know for sure that that's the story that I heard because I, I find it very hard to believe that John Hughes would literally just want to remake Pretty in Pink with her again. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's the point? Instead, he cast Eric Stoltz, a dead ringer for Molly Ringwald. <laughs> <laughs> if I can't have you, I'll get Stoltz. No one will know wonder, the difference. I'm trying to figure out, like, was the, um, was in some kind of wonderful, like, was the Molly Ringwald supposed to be, like, the Leah Thompson? No. Okay, because uh, I'm going to be like, oh, you just Stoltz, switching out Richards. Stoltz was the Molly Ringwald. No, 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 I mean, oh. Oh, like, who, was, who would Molly Ringwald have played? Yeah. I yeah. don't know that for sure. I was thinking they just switched out yeah, a redhead. I guess and she, we're like, here you go. I feel like you can she could have gone either way. Okay. She could have been That's the true. Mary Stuart Masterson or the Amanda Jones. I don't know. That's right. Uh, so don't... you don't like this movie? Well. No. <laughs> I feel bad. <laughs> Why? I feel like don't... I'm supposed to like it. I don't know. No, not like, at I all. I told one of my friends I was doing it. She was like, Ducky forever, and I was like, "Oh no!" Yeah, no, that's not my feeling at all. It's like you, I'm ride you or die like for stuff. <laughs> uh, you're pro Steph. I'm pro any pots. Ducky is the straight up villain. He hits my boy. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, any pots is great in this movie. Again, a lot of the supporting performances. Um, are very good. It just, it's, it's problem. And I say this as somebody who still has affection for this movie. And like I said, it could very well be nostalgic because I've seen it a lot of times. So I did kind of grow up with it. Um, mm -hmm. And so uh, I like the music. Um, I'm a sucker for, you know, high school romance movies and stuff like that. Um but the central romance is underdeveloped. It doesn't totally work. Yeah. And we don't know enough about Andy or Blaine as human beings to understand what one sees in the other. Yeah. They, they're both. I mean, you said that he's basically like what bland Mayo and she's, she's got, she's a little better sometimes. 
like when she has the freak out at Blaine scene, it's the first time I feel like you really see emotion from her. Yeah. And when she like has the talk with her father, but anytime, anytime she has the outbursts, I'm always kind of surprised because she's so almost flat otherwise. Yeah, and then it's I just like flat with like spots of just yelling. Well, I, I think I the, I like that. I think the casting of Molly Ringwald is meant to do a lot of the heavy lifting. Well, we like her because it's Molly Ringwald, right? And this is like the movie that put her on the cover of Time magazine. This is like mm-hmm. her magnum opus with John Hughes. Um, and so I think there's kind of a shorthand there that like, well, she's America's sweetheart, Molly Ringwald. And so we don't need to develop her very much because you're right. Flat is a good word to describe Andy. Yeah. I. And maybe... Maybe if I was watching the movie when it came out, it would have worked better for me. But, you know, 30 years later, 30 plus years later, watching it, I don't have that kind of, well, it's Molly Ringwald. Right. It's more just kind of like, okay, well, why is the character have no, I'm going to say no voice, but she's just, she exists, but there's nothing to her. Right. Um. Unrelated, apparently, according to, well, according to Wiki uh, trivia, apparently Molly Ringwald turned down the leads for, the female leads for uh, Pretty Woman and Ghost. I've heard Pretty Woman. I never heard Ghost. I can't picture her in Ghost. I can kind of picture her in Pretty Woman, but I don't think it works as well. Well, and again, you know, at the time that she probably turned down Pretty Woman, it was like this dark drama called oh, 3000 right. or whatever, you know, that ends with her in a gutter, basically. It's not like the happy Gary Marshall romance. You think she watched the final one and was like, damn it. <laughs> yeah, that's not the movie I turned down. I didn't know you could change these things. You could reshoot a whole ending and have me end up with Blaine. <laughs> I also don't know if Pretty Woman works with somebody as well known as Molly Ringwald. Um, it's, I mean, it's impossible to say because how can you look at Pretty Woman and say it should be anybody but Julia Roberts, you know, because she's such a movie star in that movie that it's hard to imagine anybody else doing that. Um, I think I'd have an easier time accepting her in the Demi Moore role in Ghost, but that's just because the Demi Moore role just kind of feels like it's the girlfriend. Yeah. It's just, there's not, it's not the, like, star or really matter i mean she matters but supposedly anthony michael hall turned down ducky because he felt like it was too repetitive of the dynamic in 16 candles which is true i mean he didn't want to be typecast that's true but that would have made their getting together even weirder (laughs) if it was her and anthony michael hall at the end of the movie because it's like oh now it's her and farmer ted and they have no business being together romantically. Nope. <laughs> it's like then you'd be like, no, he she definitely needs to end up with Steph. Yes. Oh, was there anybody else up for Blaine, or was it always going to be Spader? Uh, supposedly was up for Blaine. Okay. But he wanted the role of Steph because he knows what's up. He <laughs> knows this is this is the part of the movie. But if he had been Blaine, would we have found Blaine more charming? Like, would he have been able if to he do played him exactly like people? Steph? Yeah. <laughs> what if he just turned Blaine into Steph? 
Like he says Blaine's lines, but they're all a little smarmy. <laughs> exactly. And he's constantly smoking. <laughs> rolling his own. Well, I, was he rolling? I don't know. If the, was he rolling his own cigarettes or was he rolling? Like, oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Probably a joint. I don't know. I there was to... one point where he had stuff out and I like legit thought he was just going to start like, I thought it was Coke. I was like, he's just going to start doing Which lines. would have been, you know, totally appropriate. I like he does an entire scene in his robe. <laughs> yep. I've never worn like a robe scene. in my life. Who are these people that wear robes? Rich people. We're not rich, so we don't know oh, these things. Damn it. <laughs> so all rich people only have robes. Curse my middle class upbringing. Damn it. <laughs> Uh, uh, anything else about Pretty and Pink that you want to bring up? Uh, no, I don't think so. I'm sorry to people who love it that I don't particularly even like the movie. You, no apology is necessary. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know what, maybe, yeah, you know what, Andy and Steph can end up together, sure. Yes, see, <laughs> it only took to the end of the podcast. I did it. <laughs> this is so exciting. <laughs> Ducky can go just disappear. Blaine can also just disappear. <laughs> yeah, Blaine should have disappeared, right? I mean, he should have, like, blown her off, made up his lie, and then disappeared from the movie. Like, he shouldn't have even gone to prom. Like, no. he should not have been there. Especially in that wig. He should have been like, you know what? I gotta <laughs> stay home. I can't go out in this thing. People are gonna worry about me. It wasn't even the same hair color, now that no. I think about it. <laughs> It clearly was like, wasn't meant he... for him. <laughs> it was a different color. I was like, wow, he styled that really weird. But now that no. I'm thinking about it, you could I... like see under it. <laughs> I can't focus on anything else in that whole. I mean, I love the song that's playing, but I'm so fixated on the reshoot wig that I, I, I can barely <laughs> pay attention to anything else that's happening. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, that's not good. And then he gives his, you know, he does this big tell-off to Steph. He's like, deep down, or, uh, you know, she thinks you're shit, and deep down, you know she's right. And that's when he becomes a villain as well. That's when Blaine is out of my life, because now... Because, oh, because he was mean to Steph? Yes! <laughs> you can't get away with Steph, that. Steph does look really hurt. He that. does. It's like, oh, man. I think it's more like, he says it. But he said it so matter-of-factly, like, it's, he's not even mad, he's just like, oh, you're a piece of shit, aren't you? Yeah. And I'm like, it's like the I same just... crazy way he says I love you. It's very matter-of-fact. <laughs> I don't know, now I'm trying to think, like, does he show, he show emotion at any point in the movie? No, he's very sick. <laughs> just at the end. Um, no, he shows emotion elsewhere, he smiles, he's kind of charming. That's true. I've like, always liked he's... Andrew McCarthy. When he goes into like the record shop and they're just kind of like eyeing each other. Yeah. He's at that point I was like, Oh no, I get like why she'd be like, Oh my gosh, that cute boy is like watching me. And the bit with and the bad record that's cute. Bit, that's weird. Yeah, he invented some technology, man. Like Yeah. I was like, So you're gonna go off and do like some cool tech stuff because I'm pretty sure that's not a normal thing people should <laughs> No. Be in nineteen eighty six no one's doing that with computers. That's very <laughs> he's like, impressive. He just designed his own program. Yeah. He's a computer whiz. He's like, nah, I'm not going to do anything with that. I'm just going <laughs> to live off my parents' money. There's no, you know, parents. The only parent in the movie is uh, Harry Dean Stanton. So we never get, you know, Blaine's parents. Uh... You hear about them because Steph's like, your parents are the worst. Aren't they going to hate her? 
and Blaine's like, you're right. I should dump her because my parents, who we've never seen, won't like her. Which I, I wouldn't be in support of the parents not liking her, but I think it's an important scene to put in the movie in terms of the pressure that's on Blaine that he succumbs to. It's He's not right to succumb to it. But for yeah. us to understand the various pressures working on him, I think there does need to be a scene with his parents, like, looking down but on her, you know? It's so much more of the telling instead of showing. Yeah. It's just yeah. you have Steph tell him, well, this will happen. Right. And and again, like, which is odd because when like he's like, oh, I can't give up my friend Steph, which, according to you, would be you would not want to give up your friend Steph. No. But... But he doesn't even seem to particularly particularly like Steph that much. Like they seem like they're friends just because they've known each other probably their whole lives. But they don't seem to particularly like each other right. at all. They run in the same so circles. So what does he care? Yeah, what does he care? Like, he doesn't like Benny. He doesn't like Steph. What does he care if they don't like girl? He apparently he, he's in love with after one date. <laughs> yeah, it's it, they don't really set up like what's at stake for him. You know. Um... Mm-hmm because he doesn't seem too bothered by uh, reputation or anything like that. So they, the, the movie could definitely do a better job of letting us understand. Um, There's nothing at stake for anybody in this movie. Uh, Ducky's heart is at stake. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. There's I guess nothing Andy's heart stake, is sort of at stake. Well, <laughs> sure. Andy's heart is sort of at stake. After a certain point, you know, when she decides, yeah. like, okay, I'm going to fall in love with this rich guy, even though I know it's going to end badly. Right. Yeah. But even even after they kind of break up, she bounces back pretty quick. Like, I feel like she's fine. She'll be fine. She just had to make She'll... a sack for the prom, and then she feels better. Yeah. She needs to talk with her dad about the the like mom that abandoned them, yeah. and then she needs to go hang out at prom for a bit. Like, she find me a dress like to ruin. <laughs> That's her way of therapy. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. She has a closet full of ruined dresses for every time something has gone <laughs> wrong for her. That's why Iona had to go yuppie. She was out of dresses. <laughs> Like all I got left is this thing. Okay. Right. Exactly. I do love that that Iona's in a different outfit every time. Well, she's got the punk hair, and then yeah. she's like every the beehive. The I was beehive like, is you. my favorite. Yeah. Yes. I was like, I love you, Eddie Potts. I do love the scene where they're dancing, and she and Molly Ringwald's like, I, I need to leave. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to be like, how long? It's like you, you waited long enough for her to like put her hair up like that, dance. Like, how long has she kept you captive in this apartment? Right. <laughs> Oh, well. Well, I appreciate you talking to me about the movie. Um, I have no idea why I thought that this would be a good fit. I was like, we should do a show on Pretty in Pink. That would be a good show for Robin. I don't know why. Like, Yeah, I'm I'm actually a little concerned that this wasn't a movie that like had some sort of weird kinder drama or like some sort of weird <laughs> puppetry. Yeah, there's no puppets anywhere with the exception <laughs> of... Uh, uh, Kate Vernon. What's her name? BD? No. Bert. Benny. What is it? Benny. Benny. She's a puppet. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you know That'd that. Be true. But uh, <laughs> that performance brought to you by the Jim Henson Creature Shop. <laughs> That's why she was so terrifying. Um, yeah. No, I. Uh, you messaged me to watch it or to do it, and I was like, sure. I was like, I don't know if I've ever been the. Uh, 
the go-to on the site for these kind of movies, but sure. I'm all about breaking everyone out of their boxes. Uh, no, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it was just like I had the kissing booth on the brain, and I was like... <laughs> Did you watch the kissing booth, too? Because I, I haven't, because I refused to watch the first one. I watched the first one, and it has kept me away from watching the second one. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I could do it, but I, you know, sooner or later I'll succumb to it. As uh, we all do. Anyway, thank you again. This was really fun. Yeah, and, thanks for having uh, me. Thank you guys very much for listening. As always, go to fthismovie.com every day for new stuff. Follow us on Twitter at fthismovie. Uh, email us at fthismoviepodcast at gmail.com. And you can rate, review, subscribe in the iTunes store. It's not the iTunes store anymore. It's Apple Podcasts now. Uh, or Spotify or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and if you like the show, please do us a favor and leave us a review. Because we've had some bad reviews lately from people who are unhappy with the fact that we like take too long to get to the movie. Uh, uh. You know, we talk about other movies first, which other people say, that's my favorite part of the show, because you can't please everybody all the time, unfortunately. So some people really like What Have You Seen Lately. Some people want us to get right to the topic. So somewhere, someone is mad that we didn't get to Pretty in Pink sooner. Um, it's only been 10 years of this, like... Well, that's the thing. It's right. This has been <laughs> the show for 10 years. So if you're just coming on and you listen to one episode and you don't like that it took us too long... You don't have to leave an iTunes review. You could just find a different podcast, right? Um, but if you do like the show and you're a fan, please do us a favor and leave us a review to try to counteract some of that negativity. We would appreciate it. Um, thanks again, Robin. This was super fun. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to FS Movie.